All right, welcome everybody to episode three of the Yankee Chronicles Roundtable. I am Robert Ryan. I can be found at BobbyTat631 on Twitter. And I am joined today by Donald Stewart. Hey, uh, my, my name is Donald Stewart, and uh, you can find me on my Twitter handle uh, at dstewart267. You're also joined by Evan Wetzel. Hi, Evan Wetzel here. You can follow me at EvanDWetzel4 on the Twitter. And we're also here again with Rob Barrows. What's up? I'm Rob Barrows. You can find me on Twitter at RobB5199. And joining us for the first time today, welcome Camilla Graff. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm Camilla, and you can find me on Twitter at YPBiking. All right. And here we are. We're going to be talking about everything past, present, and future about the New York Yankees. We can be found on Twitter at Yankee Chronicle. We could also be found on YouTube at the Yankee Chronicles podcast. And you could also like us on Facebook. And above all, for all our best articles, you can go to yankeechronicles.com where you can look at any, of, in any and all of our content. All right, we're going to start today talking about the Gold Glove nominations for Gio Urshela and Clint Frazier. Um, we'll start with Gio Urshela, because I think he's the one that it wasn't a surprise. I. Uh, they say, you know, according to Sabermetrics, they say he's on the bottom nine, you know, bottom of the list as far as um, his defense. But when you watch with the eye, he's probably in the top five, in my opinion. Um, Camila, since you're joining us for the first time, we'll start with you. Did you, were you surprised to see that Gio finally got the gold uh, glove nomination? No, I wasn't surprised. I mean, this is a kid who, I mean, he really works hard and he, um, you know, and, and, and you can just see that he's just in constant improvement all the time. And, um, and so I, I wasn't surprised about his nomination. I think it's well-deserved. I think he's been a, um, a real asset to the team. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope we keep him around, really. Yeah. yeah. Don, how'd you feel? Well, I mean, what a turnaround for his career because we, we, it was one of Brian Cashman's best backups just for cash consideration. And he's really I – mean, he's always been known for a defense, but, uh, you know, he's added, you know, a really good bat too. So he can pretty much do it all. But, I mean, in terms of his, his – as defense, I mean, he was the, the heart and soul of that, of that infield. I mean, made some beautiful plays in the playoffs. And, I mean, this, this Sabermetric stuff, I mean, they said that Derek Jeter was a blue average shortstop. Give me a break. So, yeah. um, you know, so, you know, your eye can tell you more. And, and Gio's defense was literally phenomenal. Now, Rob, even if he doesn't actually get the gold, the gold glove, do you think his nomination for getting the Gold Glove um, helps his future value? Oh, absolutely. Because when he was first coming up with Cleveland, he was always known as a defensive guy, never known for his offense. He played against the Yankees in the division series for his glove, and he's only getting better and better each year. And I don't care what the sabermetrics say. The eye test, like you said earlier, alludes to it. He's very good defensively. Yeah. And if he keeps doing what he's doing – his value is just going to skyrocket from this point. Yeah. Uh, Ev, uh, Andy Martino made a statement um, on WFAN uh, a couple of weeks ago in regards with the Sabermetrics. 
you know, he makes the extraordinary plays extraordinary, but the the average plays are average. Um, with him being nominated, like, you know, we've been talking about with the gold glove, does that discredit uh, a statement like that from Andy Martino? Uh, I mean, I don't think so. I don't really look into sabermetrics too much. For me, they're just kind of an index of the whole story, the big picture of it. Like you said, the eye test to me is what we do as fans, what we're watching. And you can see that Gio is definitely a very good defensive gold glover. He's obviously better than what Andujar was. You never hear the fans complain about Gio as we did with Andujar. And I think he's one of the better third basemen we've had since A-Rod. Yeah, oh, definitely. And the second nomination that the Yankees got for the gold glove is Clint Frazier. Now, when you look at Clint Frazier overall, you know, since he's been called up, we were surprised he even was in, a, in considerations for a starting lineup. You know, his defense wasn't, you know, barely average at times. You know, the routine plays were okay, but if he had to, you know, run for a little bit of a, you know, to show a little bit of range, you know, he had you on the edge of your seat. You know, we know he's got the bat speed, and he does make, you know, he, he does pretty well with putting the ball on, in, into play. But the way that he's been able to come out this year and, and really just show that he didn't take the opportunities for granted and he was going to make the efforts to make sure that he was a, a staying piece in this, in this roster. Getting the gold glove, did that change your uh, overall opinion of his future with the team? Evan, I'll start with you on that one. Um, no, it didn't because of how he was used in the playoffs. I think he's proved, uh, that he's worked tremendously hard both on and off the field to get not only more mature, he sounds much better in all his press conferences now. He sounds like he's more of a team player. And yeah. you can tell that he worked hard to fix his defense because he knew it was an issue. The thing for me is there's a difference between having a lot of good plays and being a good fielder. There's certain players like Aaron Hicks, for example. His range is so phenomenal that you don't see him making a lot of diving catches. Because yeah. he doesn't have to, because he gets to the ball. His best play we've ever seen, he had to dive, and that's because it was like 45 feet away from him. That was um, that Minnesota game you're referring to, right? Exactly, yes. Yeah. Um, so as far as uh, Clint Frazier, or Red Blunder, as I used to call him, um, <laughs> I think the nomination is great, but I also think it might be a bit unfair, considering the fact that the Yankees led the league in errors this year and Tampa Bay was at the bottom and not one of their players got nominated. I think Kevin Kiermaier should have been nominated. I know he's a center fielder, but for me, I'd put all the outfielders in one category and pick three or four to get gold gloves. Yeah, actually, I, I think that is a good idea. Well, especially because outfielders nowadays, you're seeing more of them shifting around in the outfield, you know, where you have, you know, your center fielder will also play right field or left field. You know, it all depends on – they'll alter that depending on the ballpark that they're playing in or the, the lineup they're hitting against, you know, that, that they're defending against. So, yeah, I think it should be um, uh, altered a little bit of how they – you know, it's not just a right field, left field, center field. You know, there's got to be more of a balance to it. Because, you know, you don't have the same player playing center field 
you know, every, you know, he's not playing it every game, you know. So, um, was there any Yankee that was, that did not get a uh, Gold Glove nomination that you felt should have? Camila, uh, would you, did you, was there anybody you were surprised that did not get a, a nod on the Gold Glove? Well, I have to go back and, and look at and who who got the nominations. But I, I do want to say this about Clint Frazier is that I don't think we've seen this kid's potential because I don't think he's played enough. So I think um, he's improved, you know, so much. And, I mean, he's just a, you know, I'm old enough to be his mom, I think. Um, <laughs> so he's just, you know, he's just a kid. But, I mean, in terms of, like Evan was saying, his maturity and everything, I mean, he, he really wants to be out on that field. And I was talking about, um, I was talking about him with um, at Lord Chosen on Twitter. And um, we were saying, I guess his, his right field, numbers are a little bit better than his left field is that am I correct in saying that I think um and so his stats and so um but just think about if he could kind of uh even it out and and get to a point where everything's good like how versatile a player he could be because he's he's he has good at bats and um and, you know, with the Golden Glove nomination, I thought it was a little bit premature. I was like, really? He hasn't really played that much. But yeah. in terms, if you have to think about it in terms of economic value as well, because this is a business. And like the little, it's like having a little gold star on your report card. I used to teach the wee ones, you know, and whenever they would do something, you know, you give them a little star sticker or something. And, and, and having this nomination, I think kind of boosts his value maybe a little bit in a, in a trade deal, if they were ever to trade him again, I'm still mad about the Andrew Miller trade. So (laughs) I'll I'll never, I'll I'll never get over that ever in my life. But, um, but, you know, having that little like extra, like, Oh, well, we got this guy and he got a golden glove nod, you know, um, it always adds a little bit of value in a, in a trade deal. Um, and, and because he's improved so much, he, I think he'd be an asset in a, in a trade deal. Like if we need, you know, pitching, which we always need pitching. So, so you're, still, <laughs> you're still anticipating him being on the trade block. I don't know. I want him to stay because I want I him, know. I want to mm. see him develop, yeah. but you know, you can't, it's, it's hard to predict these things. No, with, I would with agree that. with you. I think that he's not really been given enough of an opportunity. I'd like to see him get more of an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and I also agree with Me you. Me too. I want to see what this kid can go. I also agree with you in the fact that I do believe that the gold glove was premature, um, but it's a testament to his hard work. And yeah. that is what I'm happy mm-hmm. about. Uh, he's worked so, so hard. Um, he's matured as, uh, as we've all, talked about before so he's definitely matured um and as uh and you know the defense has improved a lot i wouldn't say he's the, a gold glove caliber but um am i a fan of his absolutely i just think that um that that uh, i've disagreed i don't know what you guys think but um i've disagreed with how he's been treated over the last couple of years i don't think he's been given enough of an opportunity 
Well, I, um, I think I, that, that's why a lot of the up and down AAA the majors like nothing on earth, and I think that had something to do with his bad defense a couple of years ago because yeah. he was so nervous that yeah, every single mistake or every single strikeout right. he was going to go right back to AAA. And when you think about the opportunities that were given to guys like Greg freaking Bird, right, and then Clint Frazier, who always surpassed him in every way, but never got the same opportunities. I know well, different positions, but you know what I mean? I think that Clint Frazier's bat speed is insane. It's like elite yeah. bat speed. And if you give him enough of a run, I think that he could be our starting left yeah, hand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I did find it interesting how many times he was sent up and down, up and down. And then you had players, you know, that um, in like uh, Gary Sanchez, you know, no matter what he did, he knew he was going to be in that lineup. You know, so there's less motivation to really push yourself. You know, it's, they, you know they're not going to punish me for what I'm doing. I'm just going to do what I do. You know, where Clint took the opposite approach and just really proved to the organization that, you know, that that Andrew Miller trade is going to work itself out. You know, and it's going to make Cashman look a lot better once it does pay off. You know, whether it's for a solid in a solid trade, or you know, somebody to step in into that left field role um, after Brett Gardner is uh, done as an everyday player. And so it's going to be. I'm curious to see whether where this is going to uh, push him to go next. Could I interrupt? What did you guys think about him being benched in the playoffs? I uh, was frustrating. Yeah, frustrating. Yeah, I, I thought that he really earned uh, earned playtime. Really unfair. You know, they, they, you, know they, they, you know they rewarded Higashioka. Frazier should have gotten uh, more more of a a pat on the back and and really given the opportunity to push himself to that next level as uh, as a ball player. You know, you need that, that pressure. He has risen, you know, he's been able to push through all the pressure and all the criticism and continue to become better at his, you know, at his game. I think in the postseason, I think he, he was ready to go up that next rung on the ladder and put the team on his back. And he did not get the nod. I thought I was I felt bad for him. Yeah, I did. yeah, how do you pinch hit Mike Ford before you pinch hit Frazier that exactly. five? I never understand that one. Yeah, it's yeah that that pinch hit will will we'll be talking about that for for years. Just like you know, with Neil still bringing up you know Andrew Miller, you know there there are moments or or moves that are made that just you scratch your head for a lifetime. All right. Um, can I just jump in and say one more thing about Clint, please? Absolutely. Um, back to the gold star thing. It's positive reinforcement. So him getting this nod for him is something that's going to make him feel like, okay, someone recognizes the fact that I'm working hard, even if it yeah. isn't my own team. Because you're right, he didn't get enough time in the playoffs. He got pinch hit for by players who have significantly weaker bats than him. It made no sense. If you're going to – remove them you remove him for defensive purposes not for bat yeah yeah Gardner should have been a defensive substitution not the starting left fielder yeah, yeah. I agree <laughs> so 
then um, all right, so we'll move forward. We were talking earlier about the sabermetrics, and it, it's been a question that I've um, I've wanted to to approach to a few people. Um, is the the push with uh, with analytics? Is do you feel it's hurting the game or helping? Um, I guess we'll start, Donald. You know, do you feel feel that you know the analytics is it's becoming too much of a focus? Oh, it's, it's definitely hurting the game. I mean, there's no question about it. We talked about it in last week's podcast. We talked about how, um, you know, for instance, they've taken away a lot of great managers who manage by the gut, and they've replaced yeah. them with just middlemen, middle managers that just follow what's on a spreadsheet. Um, you know. There was, the, you know, um, it was very interesting. Joe Torrey once said to Brian Cashman, never forget there's a heart to this game, right? Yeah. And Brian Cashman was always trying to push towards analytics. And, you know, I think the most successful teams, you, you need to balance it. I think analytics is, is to help you. It's, it's a tool to push you. You can use it as a tool. But there's so many other factors that you have to bear in mind, you know, about a player that you can't just focus on a spreadsheet, you know, like forget, like I know for instance, like, you know how they were talking about how Mike Ford was pinched hit when he came in, like it was stupid. Like he was a lefty bat, forget it. He's not had a hit since July, you know what I mean? So, I mean, in that instance, you gotta go with your heart and you gotta go with your gut and say, right, who's, who'd be a better, you know, bat in that spot? So that's an instance where analytics is too far. I think the whole. I think when talking about the Yankees, it's it's over. It's over overboard. Brian Cashman's gone overboard on it. You know the, yeah. the pitching coach is just an analytics. Just I don't even don't even know what he's not even a pitching coach. He's just an analytics guy. And uh, you know Aaron Boone. I don't think he has any managerial ability of just following what's uh, what's on the spreadsheet. You know, and you know the whole thing about resting guys every other day. You know, that's all what the analytics tells yeah. you. But you got to follow a whole bat, you know, and, that, and a lot of that is taken out of the game. And just one more thing. Um, the Michael K show was interesting. I think it was last one of, one, of, one of last week's shows. He was actually saying that the game is a lot harder to even um, to announce these days because it's just walk, home run, strikeout. Walk, home yeah. run, strikeout. Uh, and it's taken away a lot of the fundamentals of the game and, um, you know, hit and run, hitting against the chef, these kind of things, um, things that win ball games and all that's been taken away. And also, it's, it's not nice to watch a lot of the time. No, it, it, it come, becomes very stale. Yeah. You know, you know, Camila, how do you feel about with the, the, the pulse of the game uh, from when we were growing up with the game as opposed to this generation's you know, trying to understand all the the the, the uh, mathematics that goes into the game. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, well, now I'm really going to age myself, but do you remember when Ron Goodry could go nine innings, you know, yeah. pitching? You know, that would never happen today, obviously. Yeah. Um but it, it just made for, for such an exciting game. Um, 
you know, is this picture going to make it, you know, kind of thing. I, it, it's just, um, it's really changed so much. And, and, and analytics has been a big part of that. And, and, you know, analytics is just one piece of the pie. Like Donald said, it's a tool. And, and I've been a teacher for many years. And, you know, all we do now in the United States, not over here in Europe, fortunately, but in the United States, all we do is test kids. We just test them and test them and test them. You probably know that from, you know, yeah. your own son, like always taking tests, right? And so we base everything the kid can do on all of these tests all the time and nothing else matters. And I'm, it's just ridiculous because it's just, there's so much more to a child than just the numbers on their test, than just the yeah. numbers on their, on their paper. And when you, when you just focus on those numbers, you're missing out on, on the big picture, on the whole person. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of uh, research has been done about the psychology of sports, the psychology of, of baseball, um, you know, and, and you have to look at those factors too. You know, is, is the player... Are, are they are, are they working hard? Are they motivated? Do they want to get better? It's not just about the numbers. It's about so much more, um, you know, what they bring to the team, what they bring to the yeah. clubhouse. If they're improving, you know, um, and, and sometimes they go in slumps. And so when you look at the numbers, you're like, ah, that's a slump. But, you know, over consecutive years, do you see improvement? So, you know, you really have to, you have to use analytics, I think, as one piece of the pie, but not, you know, not as, not as the whole game. And, and it's certainly changed the game. And, you know, if, if you remember the, the late 1970s Yankees, I mean, they were, they were all bonkers anyway, to start with, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, they were just bonkers, but, but, you know, some of the crazy stuff that happened in the games. I mean, it's what made baseball and, 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 and it, it made it just so much fun, right? To watch those games. That was so much fun to watch. It was crazy. Yeah. 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 They were, they were nuts. Yeah. I think this generation of the game won't understand our appreciation for that generation of players. You know, it's you didn't have all these rest days, and it makes you wonder. Nope. You know, would the growth of some of these guys benefit from not sitting down? You know, and just grinding it out. You know, and you know, one day you're batting leadoff, and then you're in the eight hole, and you're in the sixth hole. You know, set your lineup. This is where you're hitting. You know. You tweak it a little bit depending on, you know, with, with a pitcher or, you know, righty, lefty. But I think they need to, to really have, a, you know, those set lineups. I, I think teams benefit from that. You know, when the Yankees went on that 10-game win streak, you almost never saw that, you know, the lineups were almost the same every day. You know, and exactly. that was the result of it. They knew what their role was going to be every day. You know, I think that's also something that's being taken away from the game. Uh, Rob, I'll, I'll ask you, um, do you feel that with these rest, with the rest days themselves, does it prohibit the growth of the younger player? 
you know, or like, you know, the, um, you know, the rookies, you know, if they're only playing, you know, once or twice a week as compared to maybe four days a week or five, uh, you feel like the more play time over the veterans will benefit them? Yeah, I think so. Um, I even look at Glaber Torres, even though he's not a rookie anymore. Like when he came yeah. back from the injury, they were sitting him like right after he came back. And, you know, he had all that time off to rest from the injury. And then he plays one game, then he sits. And same thing with Frazier we were talking about earlier. He hasn't had that opportunity to play every day really until this year. So if they get a young guy up, like they – I will say this, they gave uh, Davey Garcia a real opportunity in the regular season to actually pitch. Didn't give that to him in the playoffs, though, which we can talk about that all day, that dumb decision. But, um, yeah, I think if you're going to call a guy up and you want to see what he has, you can't play him one game and then sit him three because you have 38-year-old Brett Gardner, you know, for instance, or a guy like that. You have to let – if this guy is going to be part of your future, use him, see what he has. And another thing about analytics, like um, both Don and Camilla were saying, it can be a part of it, but it can't be all of it. You know, it helps. It can help you find like an underrated player that you may not have known could be good. Like Luke Foyt wasn't known for anything really. And he came to the Yankees and he's one of our best players right now. So it can help in that regard, but it can't take over everything you do because if a guy is hot, you don't want to take him out of the lineup. And we've seen Aaron Boone do that way too often because of matchup base. So yeah, if they, it's a young guy that you want, to build your future around, you got to play him as much as possible. You have to – growing pains are part of the game. Yeah. Ed, we'll wrap up the, uh, this discussion with, with, with you. Um, in regard – like this year we have only had the, the, a 60-game season where the regular season is 162. With the amount of rest days that players got, were you puzzled by that at all? Or is it, you know – the numbers say you have to sit so many games, you know, so many days, after, you know, in a row. I thought it was ridiculous. I think it, if if you can't go sixty games in in sixty seven days, um, then we have a big problem. And we did have a big problem based on it. And I think for most sports, at least the ones that I did, you're never coming to a complete rest because your body starts to tighten up and other things happen. I'm an avid hiker and an avid skier. I did ski racing camp many years when I wasn't actually in a race. You still go up and down the hill. You're still, no one's at the bottom of the hill, just standing there watching your team. You're still moving because you're about to be next and you got to be ready to go. It's the same thing with warming up a pitcher. So yeah. no, I, just, I disagree with, with that amount of rest. I think that it's not beneficial unless it's a player maybe like judge who gets injured all the time but the fact that a 23 year old torres comes back from an injury and they rest him three days in a row is pathetic you needed to prepare for the postseason he wasn't ready players like clint were and they didn't use him it made no yeah. sense to me it made no sense whatsoever so next year i think we really need to see less injuries and less rest if we don't we're going to have the same issues we had this year you know, I mean, could you imagine what would have happened in the, you know, you know, with uh, Cal Ripken, you know, but you've already played, you know, you, you just played a thousand games. We're going to give it a week off. You know? right. Yeah. <laughs> like, he'd look at the manager and go, no, 
he'd go to the owner and get the manager fired. Yeah. <laughs> Where now it's like, all right, you've already played three games. You know, we're, we're, we're going to sit you down. You know? Yeah, the longest active streak for games played right now is about 3.07, and it's Whit Merrifield on Kansas City. He's uh, done that over the yeah, last – like itching for him. I know that. That's your I, guy. That's your guy. Whit's your guy, man. <laughs> I love and I love DJ LeMahieu. And those are the two Whit. players I want on this team. Yeah, I'm bringing them up every podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking into existence, man. That's it. Well, I, we'll have to send this to him, see what he says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, um, we're going to give the floor to, to Donald. Um, he saw something interesting regarding with Matt, uh, pitching coach Matt Blake. And, um, Don, what did you read about? Okay, so I saw an article on, NG, on J, NJ.com. Sorry. I think it was Randy Miller that wrote it. And uh, he was speaking to a scout um, who works closely with the Yankees. And the, the scout was kind of talking about the, the 60 game season in general. And uh, he talked about the biggest cult- well, culprits um, was Brian Cashman um, for going overboard on analytics and, um, and Matt Blake. And he gave, um, the scout kind of said that Matt, Matt Blake had no gravitas. Um, he looked very uncomfortable. And he noticed that they didn't really do any mound visits because he just didn't look like he was making any difference when he was going on the mound mm-hmm. to, to help the pitcher. Um, and he just looks like another just analytic spreadsheet guy when a real pitching coach would have made a big difference to the pitching staff. And uh, they also said that the, the scout also said that the defense throughout the team was just awful, especially catcher Gary Sanchez, shortstop, and uh, first base. Um, and uh, and said that there was just a general lack of accountability. It doesn't look like Brian Cashman. And wants to hold anybody really accountable for for anything, you know, for for errors or whatever, or poor performance. Um, so that's that's uh, that's what I read. I mean, it's it's difficult to disagree with that. I was wondering what your guys' thoughts are. Yeah, I think he did. You know, I didn't pick up on the the nervousness, but the more as you were saying it, I was thinking about that. He was, yeah, you could tell he was very stiff um, when when approaching the, the pitches during a pitching change uh, or a, a mound visit, rather. Um, almost like he, he didn't know what to do to can talk to them. Yeah. You know, he was, you know, he seems like when he's trying to, you know, instruct them of, you know, how to grip differently and stuff like that, that that was more his forte. But as far as... Can we interject for a second? I think when we interviewed David Kuhn, I think he was a perfect candidate. Yeah. We listened to David Kuhn on Yes. He's an analytics guy, but he's also, you know, he knows people and he, and he can communicate. And he's also, he's also one of the best pitchers of that era. Yeah. You know, I think he would have been perfect. Yeah. You know, did you notice any... Uh... With Blake, um, yes, I noticed every time he went to the mound, he did seem a bit nervous. It also appears that he doesn't have any personal relationship with any of the pitchers, and that's part of the issue. They overhyped him completely when we signed him, and I was excited. Yeah. I was excited to get an analytical guy, but I, I didn't realize that he doesn't do any of the other stuff very well. 
I thought he was going to be a balance between analytics and working with the pitchers. And the only one you've ever heard him work with is Garrett Cole. And that's our ace. So it's expected. And Garrett's also kind of an analytical. So it makes sense. You need a pitching coach like David Cohn, who understands the game, has played in the game, will have the respect because of those two things I just mentioned, and can do both the analytical side and uh, the philosophy in the game. Because when you go to make a uh, mound visit, you're calming your pitcher down and you're showing him why he can do it. Piece of paper is not going to tell you how to do that. A computer is not going to tell you how to do that. And there seems to be a void between what he's trying to teach and the way he's teaching it. So that's an issue for me. Yeah, I'd like, I, I thought there would be more of a balance. Um, and that's something definitely that Cone brings to the table. Because when you listen to him, you know, he is very analytical. But he also blends that with the pulse of the game. You know, and how and and if, if this situation arises, this is how you want to attack it. You know, and he'll use the analytical numbers, but you can sense that just because that's what the number is, it might you know it only applies to this situation. You know, and I think that's something that the Yankees need in the organization. They need somebody like that in that dugout to kind of like I mean, use the word balance. That's all. That's what it's about. You know, the offense has to balance with defense. The, the, the managers and the coaches need to balance with the players. You know, it's it's that that complete yin-yang of it, you know. So, um, I think that about wraps it up here for us. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us for Episode 3 of the Yankee Chronicles Roundtable. Uh, Camilla, thanks again for joining us. We hope you'll uh, thank you for having me. us on the next couple episodes. Uh, well, uh, we hope you had a good time. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. So signing off on, on behalf of YankeeChronicles.com. Again, my name is Rob Ryan, and we hope to see you again next week. Have a good night.